When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, the podcast where two best friends use their patent pending movie ranking scale to determine the true quality of a movie. Today is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023, and today we are reviewing the best animated film of the year, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, as we like to call it. Now, I'm recording this intro by myself, solo. Tyler is not in the building. Um, we recorded this podcast about two, three months ago when the film first came out on Netflix, Saved it for this week specifically, A, because we're geniuses and we knew it would it would win Best Animated Picture. There'd be a lot of buzz just because we know movies. We're movie guys. Um, but more importantly, because uh, I'm going to freaking cry, because Tyler uh, had his, his child, Xander. Uh, Xander was born. Uh, he's a happy and healthy baby. He was born March 11th, 2023. Um, you know, big ups. He was born and instantly got to see Top Gun Maverick win the Oscar for Best Sound. For So good for Xander. But um, it, it's just so surreal. Um, I'm going to make Tyler choke up listening to this too. But just me and Tyler have been best friends since the third grade, the fourth grade, if we want to get technical. And to grow up and see the person he's become, the man he's become, the husband he's become, the friend he's always been, and now the father he's going to become. It's just such an honor to be able to know Tyler, to be able to watch, to grow up with him and just watch his evolution as a person, as a man, and everything I just mentioned. Um, I haven't met Xander yet. Uh, We're going to see him in a little bit, a few days. I'm so excited. I love the kid already. Haven't even met him. Um, You know, I just, I just want to say congratulations to Tyler. Congratulations to Victoria. You guys have a beautiful baby boy who I know we're all going to love very, very much for the rest of our lives. And um, Tyler, you you did it, man. You did it, man. I know you're going to be a great dad um, because you've been the best, best, best friend I could ask for, for however many years it's been now. So I know you're going to be even better for Xander. So um, that sad spiel aside, before I break down into tears, let's get into the show. percent of the time, it works. A father's wish magically brings a wooden boy to life in Italy, giving him a chance to care for the child. However, the two of them have to struggle to find a place for themselves as Italy becomes embroiled in fascism. Mm, I don't know if that's necessarily the right synopsis, but... You're saying you support fascism? 
Oh, Jesus. No, I'm not saying that. Um, Guillermo de Toro's Pinocchio. Now, I don't know how long it's been since this movie's been out, Ty. Yeah, because we're banking this recording. This is going into the vault. This may never see the light of day. (laughs) If you're listening to this. This may be the lost tapes. Congrats. It should be out sometime in the near future, especially before Oscars. I think if we fill up our schedule, this one gets released after one of us passes away. (laughs) Either by an untimely, unfortunate death or a very long, happy life. Oh, and, we're going to hang on to it that long? Yeah. What if I, like, actually die in, like, two weeks? Will you feel any sort of guilt? I'll have to figure out how to get on your laptop to release <laughs> this episode. Um, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. 85% audience score. This is the second Pinocchio that we have reviewed in the last two months, mm-hmm. three months. Um, Less than that, right? And they can't be any more different. I mean, just egregiously different films. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, agree one of with them you is there. live action. September 8th, wow. One of them is stop motion. And no. Yeah. As someone who has never seen the original the original Pinocchio, the Disney original Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, as only seeing the live action and this one, I think it's fair for me to say this is the best Pinocchio I've ever seen. I I don't think I'm giving away too much by saying this is better than the Tom Hanks Pinocchio. Yeah. I mean, it's very low barrier of entry. I'm gonna have to do some research, see how many Pinocchio. There films is another I've seen. Pinocchio that's a heavy hitter, though, and that's Shrek Pinocchio. Oh yeah, should we rank Pinocchios? <laughs> well, I think my one on one is Shrek Pinocchio, and then uh, probably this Pinocchio. Believe it or not, the ten best Pinocchio film uh, adaptations. I don't want that. I want the Pinocchios, <laughs> individual Pinocchios. Yeah, 2015 Pinocchio got dead last on this. It looks like shit. It looks so bad. It mixes live action and CG animation, apparently. There's a 1996 live action Pinocchio that's terrifying. <laughs> 1996? Mm. That's scary. I don't like that one bit. 2008 Pinocchio that looks like it was re- oh, released man. in 92. Oh, man. I'll be goddamned, Jay. What? The Disney Pinocchio, not the first Pinocchio. The Adventures of Pinocchio, 1911. I actually read about that because, again, I always do research on the movies we do and stuff. Wasn't it like a friend? It was a foreign film, was it not? Am I mistaken by saying that? I want to say there was like a foreign uh, one that was pretty early. A silent film, the actors had to be more physical. Mm. So I don't know. You can't hear their accents in it. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's been so me. many fucking adaptations of this film. Of this book, you mean? The story, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to, no, no spoilers on what this article ranked as one. So this film has had a long and treacherous journey, Ty. Um, this was first announced in 2008. Wow. In 2008, Guillermo del Toro announced that his next project, a darker adaptation of the Italian novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio was in development. He called Pinocchio his passion project stating, quote, no art form has influenced my life and my work more than animation. And no single character in history has had as deep of a personal connection to me as Pinocchio. Really? Um, how, do you, how do you think he feels announcing that and then watching like five more adaptations of this <laughs> get released before his comes out? Um, on February 17th, 2011, it was announced that people would co-direct for Stop Motion. On May 17th, 2012, he took over as um, director because someone else was supposed to direct it, whatever, grimly. Um, in February 2012, Del Toro released some concept art, Pinocchio, Geppetto, The Talking Cricket, Who's uh, named Sebastian in this? Yeah, um, Mangia Fuku, whatever their name was, the fox and the cat. 
In July 30th, 2012, it was announced that the film would be produced and animated by Shadow Machine. It was originally scheduled to be released in 2013 or 2014, but went into developmental hell with no further information forthcoming about it for years. January 2017, Patrick McHale was announced to co-write the script with Toro. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so this is uh, needed a long time to uh, come to fruition, Ty. Uh, worth it. Oh, another film. I thought you would give this a bad score, I'll be honest. No, this was this is a very good Pinocchio film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty good. Now, did you watch the uh cuz it's stop motion and I think they said filming took like 2 years or something crazy like that. Um I can only imagine. Did you watch Netflix had like a 40 minute um behind the making or whatever? Not a chance. Really? If I watched that how long is this movie? Um, hour, hour 57 do you think i have time to sit down and watch two hours and 40 minutes worth of something this is a joke because you just watched three hours with of yeah. avatar the we, way of water we just reviewed um, go check that review out if you have not already it's probably weeks ago um yeah i think it took like two years to film or something i can't find it on the um the actual wikipedia but we watched the behind the things and they ex- they showed the stop motion they explained some of the decisions they made like the main villain was originally supposed to be the big you know fat dude that's kind of in the original Pinocchio and then they made him and they modeled him and they made all this stuff for him and then Guillermo del Toro was like nah scratch him and he's actually like a background character when they go to the carnival he's like the strong man or whatever no shit um, that was supposed him. to be yeah um, but they showed all the different models they had giant Pinocchio models for when they wanted to use the cricket where it was like huge and then they had little tiny ones for when they wanted to use certain things and they had like all these different faces like most of them of the stop motion they were mechanical like uh, Geppetto where they, their mouse would like actually move and they were like remote controller or whatever so they can make them like talk or whatever like they had individual gears whereas Pinocchio's was like a traditional one where he had all the different mouth hole shapes um, and they they described the reasonings behind why they did that and all this stuff and it was a good watch and maybe appreciate the movie more I I respect that mm-hmm. I respect the art of stop motion we've gotten to a point in time where you can just animate stop motion yeah but i i think there's a charm to it ty there's a i was watching this movie multiple times throughout similar with avatar the way of water go check out that review saying wow i'm with you but i feel like this can be achieved in a much easier way it could but you kind of want that aesthetic stop motion still has an aesthetic you like the practical yeah like it's just it's, like James Cameron wanted to film underwater. So I'm saying this is the Tom Cruise of animation. <laughs> um, so I'm not a big stop motion guy. Usually I don't really like claymation. I've been on the record of saying that chicken run horrible. Um, wow. But Sean the sheep. Remember Sean the sheep from Xbox. I do. He's our good friend. I wonder how he's doing. I've actually tried to message him on Xbox, but he never responded. That makes sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not a big claymation guy. So I went into this kind of thinking, and like I don't really know much about Guillermo del Toro. I'll be honest. Like I get him confused a lot with um, the other guy who did that Grand Danny Budapest Dubito. Hotel. <laughs> who did Grand Budapest That's who Hotel? I get him confused with Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. I don't really like Wes Anderson films. I've tried watching Grand Budapest Hotel, and I was telling this to Rye. I feel like his films, like they look fake. Like I don't like. He's got a very distinct style from what I've heard. I don't think I've ever watched a Wes Anderson film. As someone who reviews movies, I probably should. I've um, only seen – well, I've seen parts of the Fox one, the animated one, and then I've seen parts of Grand Budapest Mo- Hotel. And there's a very stylistic – it's like kind of like a film class movie, 
but it takes me out of it. Like it, I, it just, I'm like, oh, it's a movie. I don't know. It's weird to describe. Yeah, I, I'm kind of confused here from Guillermo del Toro. Like, looks like he maybe did some like horror type. Yeah, he's kind of like a. Oh, he's done some horror. Hellboy and Hellboy Two, he did. Yeah, Pan's La- La- Pan's Labyrinth. I know is like kind of his biggest one. I guess. Hmm. Maybe not biggest one, but. Um, Rattled off Pacific oh, that's Rim, make, I believe. Yeah, which is a fun, ridiculous action movie. Well, he's most known for The Shape of Water. Come on, he won this... an Oscar for that. Where is it? 2017, The Shape of Water. Oh, it's way new. No way he became mostly known in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> he won- but that's his most accomplished work. Okay. He won an Oscar. He won like Best Director and Best Picture, didn't he? What was he produced? I have no idea. Come on, film snob. You always want to say I'm the common man, and I don't... There it is. He executive produced Puss in Boots. The new one? Creative consultant, Megamind. Not the new one. Getting oh. incredible reviews. Yeah, we might have to change our podcast schedule. Incredible reviews. Victoria, Victoria, <laughs> little backstory here, because she's going to, whenever this does come out, be so mad at me. There was like a trailer for that, and I was like, and she was like, oh, I want to watch it. I'm like, I'm not fucking reviewing Puss in Boots 3. Like, there's no fucking way. And then it's just been getting nonstop critical buzz on how incredible the film is. Yeah. And she keeps seeing it, and she keeps giving me shit, and I've been trying to stay strong. We're going to have to probably review it come Oscar season for Best Animated Film. I'm definitely interested in it. I, I am too, but I was like, it's probably just like a cheesy kids movie. I was thinking like a fucking direct-to-DVD type style of film. And no, it's just rocking like a 98% on Rock Tomatoes. 96 right now, yeah. Incredible. It's got like a unique animation style. Incredible. It's um, Antonio Banderas reprising his role. I I want to go see it too. And she's a Shrek lover. Like, of course she wants to go yeah, see Puss in Boots. I know, but I was like, I, I haven't even seen Puss in Boots 2. I haven't seen Puss in Boots 1 or 2. That's a good point. I don't think I've seen one. <laughs> I don't know why I assumed like him in Shrek was one. There's an individual film that's a one. I just said it. He fucking Guillermo del Toro worked on it. Yeah. There's Puss in Boots. Uh, then 2012 Puss in Boots, The Three Diablos. Which is a weird name for your second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Incredible. What does Puss in Boots, The Three Diablos have on Rotten Tomatoes? I don't even see a Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, shit. This comes part. out the 21st. This comes out the day we're recording this. People can know how long we've been sitting on this. Puss this in is Boots? December 21st, yeah. I thought it was already out. No, it's, it's a Christmas release. Tonight it's shown. You want to go see it after so the pod? Critic? No way, dude. 9.50, they got a showing, Ty. Should we go without the girls? Is no, that the I'm first showing? <laughs> she would have actually, like, <laughs> fucked me up. <laughs> like, I'd be coming over to sleep on your couch. <laughs> you want to go see Puss in Boots with him? Fine. <laughs> go fucking sleep in his apartment. <laughs> Um, should we this jump into wild. Pinocchio? Stop talking about Puss in Boots. Yeah. <laughs> if go check out our Puss in Boots review if it's out there. It Probably might came be. out before this. It might be. Should we change uh, instead of doing Glass Onion next? Not week? a chance. Go check out that review, Glass Onion. Yeah, that was a good one. I loved that one. <laughs> um, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm. You know Love what? That. I'm gonna have you kickstart us, tie with your plot slash story score on a scale from one to twenty. For those who may not be familiar, can I just say I really appreciate you adapting my Pinocchio? Um, That's like almost the only thing I say now. I sh- uh, Pinocchio is for casual smooth brains. As some would say <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> casual smooth brains. <laughs> plot slash story for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Ugh. Pinocchio. <laughs> 
Look, man, this is, this is, I said it before we started recording, and I'm going to say it for the audience here. This is going to be very much compared to the really shitty Disney version that just came out. Yeah. The really shitty Disney version made me not care about the characters. It didn't do anything different. It was a copy and paste downgraded version of the the very known story of Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. This does the complete opposite. You get a very long introduction with uh, Geppetto and his real life son Mm -hmm. and him being a a world worker and then World War Two happening. World War One. It was the Great War. Oh, because World War Two is when Mussolini popped up. Yeah. And Mussolini's in this. Which is why I thought it was two. But no, well, he died in the first... His original kid died in the first one, and then Pinocchio, the tree grew. It takes years for trees to grow, Ty, that big. I didn't realize... That's what I think. That's at least what I think. Because he was pretty cannon? old. No, I, I that makes sense. Yeah, the Be- tree didn't grow overnight. Because it says the Great War, which is what people called World War One before there was a second one. Yeah, if you click the Great War on Wikipedia, it links you to World War One. so... That does make sense. Like, yeah. if there was only one world war, you wouldn't call yeah, it World the, War One. The plot says Geppetto honors his memory by planting a pine cone near his grave and spends the next 20 years mourning his loss. Uh, when did World War One take place? 1917. 19... Yeah, in World War 17. I know that from the film. Sure. And then World War Two, 1939. Like, yeah, so. That makes sense. Yeah. Both world wars featured in this version of Pinocchio. I also, like... I was telling like the like I think we've said on the podcast, but there's always like whenever there's like an edgy filmmaker, they always have to make it somehow related to like Nazis or yeah. World War Two or something. Yeah, this reminded me of that because it was like, oh, we're we're doing this now. We're doing yeah. fascism. It was I was taken back by it. <laughs> I I'll tell did you not that expect much. It, yeah. Um. But spoiler alert: Geppetto's real son gets bombed and killed in a church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very sad. Mm-hmm. Very heartbreaking. And then we get a scene of this old man just crumbling and planting a tree and going there and crying every night. Yeah. It makes you fucking really bummed out. That's how you do fucking storytelling. You make you connect and care about people. And then you get Pinocchio. um, (laughs) And then rather than going to the stupid fucking circus and becoming a donkey, he goes and joins the fucking (laughs) Italian army for World War II. (laughs) He does go to do a little bit of circus shit and then, like, shoots someone. No, he gets shot by Mussolini. (laughs) Pinocchio gets shot by Mussolini. That's canon. In this universe. Yeah. A fucking leader assassination of a puppet. Yeah. And then he goes and, like, there's just, it's so unique and different. Mm -hmm. And its own creative spin, which is what these should be. Don't just copy and paste stories that have been told over and over and over Mm -hmm. again. It's boring. It doesn't do anything. You know what to expect, and it makes a movie fucking suck. Yeah. This is way different. This is a unique spin on it. I like what they did. I very much like the emotional connections they built throughout and the story that it tells and, and the friend whose dad is like a fucking military commander yep. dude. Named uh, him his son Candlewick because he's as something as a candle. Remember that? He said like that line. His name was Candlewick yeah. because he was like. It's been like two weeks since I watched this film. He, I don't remember exactly. I forgot what the what the was. But okay, continue. You have time to figure that out until we get to characters. I want a full uh, synopsis on Candlewick. I don't remember. There was they, there was a very specific line. He was like, my dad, or his dad called him something like a Candlewick. What's a Candlewick? I don't know. It's like the, the string in the center of a candle, no? Yeah, he called him like, I don't know. Continue. Give a 17 out of 20. Wow. Very much like this story. Very much 
I like the story more so. I like how unique they made a story that has been told possibly more than any other story on the face of the fucking earth outside of like Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Like this has to be one of the most well-known repeatedly put to media. Well, there's a yeah. Yeah. Stories, uh, whether plays, movies, shows, cartoons. Like, up, yeah. It's up there. For sure. And this is by far the most unique adaptation of it that I've seen. And I, I really, really, really appreciated that. 16 though. 17. 17 though? yeah one higher than what you just criticized jeez ty i gave it an 18 fuck yeah so okay i watched the behind the scenes and i had this like big brain while i was watching the movie like dissecting the meaning of it because okay. i'm trying to like get in the mind of a filmmaker and i thought i nailed this and i still think my big brain this might be my best movie explanation ever is um accurate for what the filmmakers wanted to do but in the behind the scenes that they recorded Guillermo del Toro also talked about how he was trying to tell the story of like how it it being different than the other Pinocchios is all the other Pinocchios Pinocchio is the one trying to change to a real boy whereas this one you don't really I mean he does by necessity at the end you know what I mean because he wants to save his his Geppetto even then it's not like he becomes a real boy he just becomes mortal yeah exactly um and if it was kind of the other thing is like everyone else was changing for him. He changes Spazaturo. He changes Geppetto. You know, he doesn't change whatever, but he, he gives Candlewick the, the confidence to stand up to his dad. Like Fuck it's yeah. his kind of heart and everything. Um, but I thought the main kind of, um, cause I was thinking like, again, I mentioned like edgy filmmakers wanting to always make everything around world war two. And that's what got me thinking about this. Like, why did he do this? Why did he make it? The book came, the original Pinocchio came out in 1883. So the world war hadn't even happened yet. Like, why did he take this approach? And I think for me, the whole message of this movie and what I liked about the story was it felt like it was supposed to be. And I like this about soul as well. The, the Pixar movie, it was almost like an appreciation of mortality and like you kind of have an appreciation of life Yeah. and you have, you know, and you see it, you see it in the beginning, you know, the, the son dies and he gets a, a, a son that's reborn. That's made out of wood and he's immortal and he keeps dying, but then he sacrifices that immortality to live life, you know, and to save his geppetto and everything and then at the end oh they die like they don't yeah. just do a happy ending not at all they both die you show pinocchio kind of a pre like spending that time with them like you know the 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 death whatever she was ram lamb looking thing i don't know the the death thing that he saw the time, every time he died monster time monster thing, thing? Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> i have no idea spirit she mentioned like you know appreciating time with the people you you have while you have yeah. and everything and you see that and you see geppetto like he wouldn't tell pinocchio he loved him and everything and blah 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 and then towards the end he's just so glad to see him and like i just thought this was like the whole message of this was just to appreciate life and living and mortality and all this stuff and that's why they said it in a, in a fascist state because fascism is almost like well i don't well World War Two, you know, was like almost anti-mortality. You know, they were killing people Didn't because give a fuck they weren't. About life. Yeah, they weren't. Whatever their their more their mo was back then. I actually don't know like what Mussolini was about. Um, I actually wanted wanted to read up out on that after this film. I never did that, but I yeah. kind of wish I did. Um, but that's you know, fascism is literally anti-mortality. That's kind of like the exact opposite of it. And you see him, you know, you see Pinocchio go toe to toe with Mussolini and get shot in the face. So, um, wild. I, I just thought that messaging of it, I, I really appreciated it. And I really liked it in soul. When we reviewed soul, I don't think I have it on my scale, but I'm pretty sure I gave it a high score for that. Um, it's heavy stuff that kids might not really 
you know, yeah. understand, but I liked it and it made me emotional. It made me think. No, I, I agree. And I, I think you bring up a good point to where it's less of it's, you know, Pinocchio wants to be a real boy. Like you said, why does he want to be a real boy? For all the things that life brings, yeah. let's make that the focus of the film. Exactly, yeah. The whole essence of Pinocchio is this, you know, and they do a good job of actually, like, giving a, a heartfelt appreciation towards it other than let's have adventures of Pinocchio and then he dies at the end and then Tom Hanks's tear brings him to life and we're happily ever after. Like, that movie didn't make me appreciate life anymore. Oh, like, I give two shits about those people. Yeah, so, you know, I thought it did a really good job of – of doing that and exploring that and everything. and Yeah, I, I think for me, like the theme of the story, like 25 out of 20. Yeah. Incredible. It was a little slow. I, I didn't think so. I admitted I took a brief like five-minute nap. <laughs> Missed part. Seven minutes earlier? I think it was less than seven. It was very, very brief, and then I was locked back in. It was a little slow. I was a little tired. I was. This was right as I was getting sick, probably, and then missed our recording afterwards. <laughs> um, I was under the weather. It was a little slow. Yeah. I was motherfuckering you, too. I'll let you know that to your face. No, I expected it. Yeah. I was, like, telling around, I'm like, what the fuck? You were probably sitting there, like, staring at the Why clock, 7.45. Guy... If you look, I texted you right at, like, 8 o'clock. I was, like, <laughs> you I told had a Riley, timer I was, like, set. I was, like at <laughs> this is exactly what I said. I'm so fucking petty. I said, Riley, at 8 o'clock exactly, I'm going to text Tyler. Where is he? And then when he tells me, like, I forgot, I'm going to tell him, I don't want to do it anymore. It's too late. Like, fuck I yeah. Was, I was fucking love that. So hold on. What did you say you were going to tell me? Can you repeat that to the audience? I don't want to do it anymore. It's too late or whatever. Okay. So you're going to be real. Let me go back and let's see exactly what the message said here. It was probably nicer than that. Cause I'm not going to actually be mean to you. You said, Hey man, dot dash dash. Oh yeah. We, we still, still doing the pod. And I wanted to see what you were going to say. And then I was going to say, come back with like real sassiness. Yeah. I said, oh, fuck. I spaced that it was Wednesday. I stayed home from work sick and have been asleep all day and didn't even fucking think about it. You said, oh, shoot. No worries, man. Just get some rest. <laughs> you had a reasonable. You had a reasonable <laughs> excuse. I was fucking laying in bed and you texted me and I like rolled over and looked and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like. I was checking the traffic too for Mike Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "There's no traffic. What what's going on here?" I'm so sorry. That's yeah, fine. It is what it is. I don't care. I was a little sleepy though, but a great theme, oh. great underlying message, wonderful underlying. Message. And that's why I didn't go sassy because I remembered the meaning of it and appreciating life. And I was yeah. like, "I appreciate Tyler's life. I hope he gets better." I could have been late because I died in a car accident on the way home, Jay. <laughs> Do you got a? <laughs> This is late. I don't even know why we're talking about this on the pod. Do you have like tomorrow and Friday off for your work? Or no. What are they giving you off for Christmas? Nothing. I could have requested some off. Are they giving you Monday off? No. Because Christmas. Are you serious? Yeah. They're, My we're open. giving me, I think, Friday and then through Wednesday off. Yeah. Most places you think would. Um, we're just open. And he was very cool. Like, if you want to, he asked us like three weeks ago. And I was like, I guess if we're open, like, I'll fucking be here. Because I took like Thanksgiving, Black Friday and stuff yeah. off. And then I called out sick a bunch, so I was like, I'm definitely going to be here. But yeah. yeah, no, people are going to fucking rush to the store the day after Christmas to buy fucking RV accessories. Well, that's why, like, Riley, they open barns at, like, 7 a.m., so which is stupid. early, because they expect there to be an influx of returns after Christmas, which probably does happen. <laughs> yeah, people hate books. But you don't have to <laughs> open at 7. Who's going to the mall at 7 a.m.? No one. No one's fucking The doing day that. after Christmas on a Monday. So stupid. It's Sunday... Power rank the days of the week that are best for Christmas. Oh, I feel like the best would be like a 
a Thursday. Now, are we talking because I'm with you? I would think middle of the week because in my mind, I'm taking that whole fucking week off of work and I'm getting nine days in a row off. Wednesday's too middle of the week, though. Like they won't give you cushion on either end. Yeah. I feel like Thursday they give you Wednesday off because it's Christmas Eve. You get Thursday, but then if it's that Wednesday, Friday, if they're going to give you Tuesday off because it's Christmas Eve, might as well give you Monday off. Why are you going like, to who's going to work? Office? Have a weekend off work Monday. But if it's Wednesday, they might make you come in Thursday, Friday. Yeah, no, you're right. I think Thursday's the best day of the week because then they'll just give you Friday off. I think Thursday's one of one. Wednesday's two. Um, then look, like logically, I think a Saturday isn't bad. Friday might be. I think Friday's three because if Christmas is on a Friday, that means New Year's Eve. Oh, no, so New Year's Eve is six days after. So, yeah, that just hammers home the point that Thursday's the best because yeah. then you get uh, New Year's Eve on a Friday. So you get that Friday off, and then you get the whole New Year's weekend where you don't have to be hungover and go to work or whatever. Thursday's the best? Christmas Thursday is the best because then also New Year's is on a Friday. It's I think on a Wednesday. No. It's a day of the week before. New Year's Eve is on Saturday. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Christmas is on Sunday. So maybe Friday's. Oh, mm. the New Year's Eve is on. Well, a if thir- New Year's no, is on a Wednesday, no, that works out perfect. Christmas is on Friday. <laughs> New Year's Eve is on a Thursday, which means you get, you get New a Year's four Eve day and weekend. New Year's Day. So off you get back Friday. to back four day weekends. Huge. That's I hundred percent. So we're the saying best Friday. Weekend. Friday is the best day for Christmas. <laughs> okay. Go figure. Friday wins another best day of the week competition. <laughs> oh man, fucking Fridays, man. <laughs> Undefeated. Worst day is either Sunday, like this year, yeah. or, or Monday, which is next year, where you get a three-day weekend, but then they make you come in on Tuesday, probably. Yeah. No, so. I think I think fr- like Mount Rushmore Champions, it's Gretzky, <laughs> it's Joey Chestnut, it's Friday, <laughs> and then there's someone else who's just like undefeated. Tom Brady, Serena Williams. In their, like like, in their category, no one does it like this person does it. <laughs> What a great little tangent on a Pinocchio podcast that might come out five months after <laughs> Christmas. It's just completely random that we're talking about the holiday season. Might come out years from now when one of us dies. <laughs> Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Visual cinematography tie. I gave it a I gave it a 20. Yeah, this is I mean, not for the audience but for us reviewing back-to-back 20s. Incredible. Yeah, I know. I was like, "Oh, we don't need to do fucking stop motion real." <laughs> yeah, you were just shitting on. I want it looks so good though, but I think you can achieve that. Like you can cheat and achieve that. Yeah, but maybe I don't know. Maybe it takes some of the soul out some of it. Of the you can tell the difference when they were on the boat and there was like the sky. Like that was always like a paint. I think that was like a hand painting or it's something. Beautiful painting though. The stop motion looked flawless. There was like only one or two times where it looked stop motiony. Like it, it was flawless. The sets yeah. were great. Like the emotion and like again, I watched the behind the scenes and like. They brought up how Guillermo del Toro was really good for this because he brought almost like he brought a live action element because when you're directing live action, you want your people to look like they're not acting. You want them to do, you know, just whatever. So when Guillermo del Toro was directing the stop motion, he was very intent on that. Like there were some like just like 
miss not miscues but like parts in the movie where like someone would drop something and pick it up or someone would reach for this and barely miss and then reach over or like there was one scene where they talked about when they were uh, approaching the whale and they showed Geppetto's eyes and he wanted to make he told them like hold it longer and make sure you show him looking at it on his eyes and it's just a scene of his eyes and like he was explaining how like audiences need um you know more time to kind of see what's on screen and it brought this whole conversation with me and Riley that was like blowing my mind is like filmmake the whole like a great filmmaker does the things that like you do as a viewer but subconsciously like you don't realize you're looking at it this way or you're interpreting this way like you know but they know you are and they're trying to find a way for you to do it without noticing you're doing it and that just blows my mind that's what makes me realize like yeah being a great filmmaker actually isn't like easy (laughs) it's like fucking hard it's probably very difficult (laughs) to make a very good film yeah i i i I've never like thought of that before, but it does make a lot of sense. I know like relating it kind of to music. There's a lot of things like the difference between a good musician and a bad musician is a good musician knows like when not to play their instrument, meaning like to let things breathe rather than just like note, 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 note. They kinda know like when a, to uh, a play by the commentator too. Oh yeah. It's a good comparison as well. Let the fucking let it breathe. Let the game breathe. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. And like that makes sense with a movie. Like don't rush through things. Let things linger a little bit. Yeah. And it adds stuff to it. Um, I also I'm going to go back to Bob's Burger here a little bit. Jay, do you remember the biggest difference between a TV and a TV show movie? Oh, we talked about it. Contrast. Um, Similar. It's the shading. Shading. It's yeah. lighting and shading. Yeah. That's the big difference. That's where the money goes. This, you could tell the practicality out of it, and I will say that, mm-hmm. it was the lighting. Yeah. So much of this, it looks so, so real. Be- the shadows, the way the light bounces and reflects off the different materials and, and different, you know, stuff that they used for all these models. and like It's attention it's, to details. It's, it's so good. They it were, looks so good. They were saying, like, they would make all these models, and Guillermo del Toro would be like, why are they so clean? Like, these are, like, Italian, like, workers or whatever. Like, why are they spotless? Like, dirty them up. Or they built, for this the, the church, they built, like, a full church, and they used bigger models for it. Not, like, a full-size church. Yeah, but I think but... one you could walk in, maybe it was that big, or maybe a little bit smaller than that. Yeah. And, like, they went through all these different window panels, and, like, he had them build it in a way where it looked like it aged. And, again, it's this is fucking filmmaking stuff you don't even think about. Like, Guillermo del Toro was like, you know, these older churches, when they build them, they don't build them all at once. You know, back in the day, they'll build the structure and then 30 years later, they'll do the glass. And then 30 years later, they'll add this part to it and this part to it as they innovate. So when we built this set, we wanted to make it look like it wasn't built in a week. Like we built it. It was built in 50 years. And I was just like, feels authentic Damn. and like it was actually created. Like- yeah. And like that carving of, of Jesus, you know, and like wanting to make it look like Geppetto's other work and not just a regular carving and like just the attention to details, everything, and the lighting, like you said, like when they had the flame on and all that, and like the, it, it was just incredible. It was a great, you know, he did stop motion for a reason. He said how animation, you know, was something that inspired him or whatever. And like, yeah, yeah he could have just computer animated this, but like when we talk about computer animated and we give twenties to some of these Pixar films, like Toy Story four, it's almost for like the technicality of it. You know, we gave Avatar a 20 for the immersion. And it's almost like this is immersion too, but it's not technicality. It's almost like more of an art form. A million percent. You know, so yeah. it's just. It's and, respect in the craft. fucking move it a little bit and take a picture. 
very difficult. Very, di- I never would have the patience. Do you remember in video speed. productions, we didn't have it the same year, but we had to do a 10-second stop motion. Do you remember that? I recall. Yeah. I don't remember what I did. I think it was like a ball rolling or something. Super I, easy. I did a fucking baseball in the infield dirt spelling out baseball. <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then downloaded a, a generic, the generic baseball, like, take me out. Like, you know, just but like the organ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that Fuck was the music. Yeah. And that was my 10 second stop motion. <laughs> you remember what grade you got on that? I think I got a B plus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's all right. It's not great. It's not the best he's ever seen. I know that. Yeah. So it's good shit. Mine wasn't great at all, so I can't talk shit, but <laughs> no, this is this is technically fucking incredible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Looked wonderful. Key elements, Ty. What'd you give for key elements? Key elements. This is this is emotion. Um mm-hmm. this is again, it's the themes that we were talking about, and it's the mortality of of these characters and life and it's still kind of he has this childhood like sense of he just does whatever and he's like oh i died okay i'm back (laughs) and you see him grow and it's that evolution and and that theme that kind of goes throughout um with him and the other characters around him i I gave it an 18 out of 20 wowzers i think it's done very very well i think the emotional moments hit and you care about these characters which is what they wanted to achieve Mm-hmm. I think this is a story of growth through, you know, multiple people. And you see that throughout. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's done wonderfully. Yeah. So I gave it a little bit more love. I think, well, I did give it higher than you in plot slash story, only one point. And then I also gave it some points and characters for that. Like, obviously that's still part of the key elements is the, the theming of it. And obviously the animation as well as part of the key elements um, and the emotion and all that. Like, that all like I'm not giving it a, a low key element score, so I'm not trying to explain like a, a nine here. Yeah. Um, but I think the only thing that held me back because I did give it credit for that in characters and plot slash story. For key elements, what held me back was Guillermo. I'm gonna call him Guillermo now. We're first name basis. Mr. Del Toro. Uh, Mr. Guillermo said that he was trying to make like a, a family movie, a movie that kids can watch and parents can watch and everything. I don't think kids are going to like this. Not at all. And I think if I don't watch the behind the scenes, maybe I give this a little bit higher. But him saying that, all the great things I, I told you that he said in that behind the scenes that just blew my mind, that was the one where I was like, Guillermo, you didn't really make like a, a kid's movie. Maybe some older kids, but like, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting down with Jameson. Jameson's not going to oh, watch no this. Chance. Haley might not even, you know, Haley's probably like the – the, the the lowest or the you know like 10 whatever she is this isn't a kids movie at all yeah like i don't i, I think kids, kids can watch it it's not made for them yeah it's like he not he didn't explain it's like a kids movie more of like a family movie yeah. that the whole family could watch and almost have those maybe uncomfortable conversations about life and stuff um that are needed like soul did soul's a little bit more of a kids movie you know of a family movie this isn't that so that was the only thing that held me back a little bit i still landed at a 15 though and that's fair. Um, obviously, our key elements are how well did the director do what they were wanting to do. Yeah. I thought incredibly. I didn't realize he was trying to make kids like this film. <laughs> this is an adult animated film. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like it's fucking sex and nudity where a kid can't watch it. Yeah. I just can't imagine a kid wanting to watch this. They're, if I fell asleep, Lord knows a fucking five-year-old's going to walk away. Yeah. Um, and and we, that's fair. We forgot to mention the music. That's part of the key elements in the visuals and cinematography. Yeah. There was music in this. And I thought it was like seamlessly music. There was like a few songs. It wasn't like a musical, but there was a few songs. 
Oh, Pinocchio singing. Yeah. Forgot all about it. <laughs> right it was now. The, 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 the Papa song, which I don't remember anymore, but the day after I was singing it. Okay. I thought like the way that transitioned into it was nice and everything. Um, but they, uh, that was another thing they mentioned in the behind the scenes was wanting to add music, but not have it be a musical, have it be make sense with the story and actually, you know, not just like we're singing now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like whimsical kind of kid type stuff, but not yeah. like everyone breaks out and yeah. Yeah. So that makes it more of a, a a family, you know, cuz kids like music obviously, but I still That's don't fair. think it's I forgot all about it. Family. Yeah. Entirely, I'll be honest. Yeah. I it can't get any more credits from visual cinematography from me, so it didn't even need that in my opinion. I was talking to Riley about this. And I I think I told her I wanted to give visuals the first ever 21. I wanted to break the scale cuz I respected it so much. Wow. And she said I can't do that. We can't. No, I'd never allow it. And then I and then I said fine, I'll just put one extra in a different category but i didn't actually do that but you can be betty and i i have no control over your other categories <laughs> i will hard cap you at 20 though <laughs> i don't give a fuck i can't give extra credit no okay what if this film you're giving it a 20 mm-hmm. what if there's a one shot in addition to everything else I, I, 20 means they did it perfectly <laughs> perfect can be many different shapes and sizes jay no one thing is perfect Okay, but we did give Red Notice a bonus point for being the perfect blend of Indiana Jones and uh, National Treasure. <laughs> but it wasn't perfect. <laughs> there's uh, there's room to tr- like grow and change if you're not perfect. As soon as you – I say perfect, that's it. All right, fair enough. Can't bat over 1,000. It's like uh, you hit like infinity, like infinity times two. It's still just infinity. It's a concept rather than a number. Got it. Yeah. See, that got, that got you there characters <laughs> usually i don't give a lot of love to voice acting yeah you don't ever and might we mention stacked cast yeah kate blanchett plays a the, the monkey spaz spazituzo spaz spaz what is she from i don't she's freaking hella dude okay i knew um, the name i couldn't think of like what she she's hella She's also in Lord of the Rings, of which is stuff, what she's yeah. probably more known yeah, for. Probably. Um, <laughs> Ewan McGregor as Sebastian J. Cricket. Compare his performance to um, who was the the cricket in the light? It was fucking Ryan Gosling. No, no, someone you like. It is. Yeah, he is in Don John. He plays the fake Robin in the Dark Knight series. Um, what is his Jordan jo- Lo- Joseph Lo- Gordon Levitt? Joseph Gordon Levitt. I was I was almost there. Compare their uh, <sighs> voice acting performances. <laughs> For those, if you don't remember, I shit on that role and then I found out it was someone I really liked. Yeah. yeah. And that was upsetting. <laughs> um, it's still the worst, just god-awful voice acting performance I've ever heard. Yeah. This is pretty good. I love me some Ewan McGregor. Um, he actually did a good job of voice acting and making you, Yeah, you know. I thought the kid was pretty good for being a kid who I don't think has really done much. Yeah. Gregory, man. Also, Carlo. He voiced uh, Carlo, his original son. That makes sense. Um, yeah, that's his first uh, movie. Um, he did good. There Again, another behind-the-scenes thing. Maybe I should just watch behind-the-scenes on every movie, and then I'll appreciate it more and give it higher scores. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro, Guillermo, was talking about how he had to have – because like, when Gregory had, was supposed to have more playful emotion for Pinocchio, like to get him to get into acting more, he had him say like a word, a dummy, at the end of it like the end of the sentence and they would just cut it out. Cause then he'd be like, Oh, you dummy, you know, actually emphasize just it. Be like, Oh, you, yeah. Wow. Whatever the line is like, it's just, it's shit like that. Um, David Bradley's Geppetto thought he did a good job. What is he from? It's the guy I said was terrifying looking last week. He did. 
Um, Tilda Swinton did both Death and the Wood Sprite. Um, look, double roles. Voice acting, I never give credit almost for because there's not like a performance behind it. Christoph Waltz, Braun Perlman, Finn Wolfhart, Tim Blake Nelson, multiple people. There's not like a performance. There is a performance behind voice acting. I shouldn't say that, but I think it's – there's a reason best actor is never a voice actor. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm saying that. Maybe they should have a best voice actor. Why is that not a category at the Oscars? That's fair. I know the Game Awards give out best acting performance went to Kratos this year. That's all voice acting performance. The Game Awards? Yeah, like video game. Isn't every video game acting a voiceover? Exactly, and they give out best (laughs) performance. They should do something similar in the Oscars. So, yeah, but at the same time, if you're going to do an animated story – you're going to tell like I, the voicing was all goodness. There was nothing out of place. It, there was no George, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, so I was all fine with that. I thought the casting was good, everything. But again, the, the story that they told with the characters and with Pinocchio and everything is just, I think what you need in an animated film to kind of make up for some of the lack of, of acting, you know? So um, I gave this a 16. I really enjoyed what each character meant, their contributions to the overall message, the story, um, this was a relatable Pinocchio. Pinocchio, I, I, I liked uh, Pinocchio. That made me emotional. Um, Geppetto was far better than Tom Hanks. The cricket was far better. Like it's just levels, levels above the previous Pinocchio, which got a five for characters. <laughs> for me, I gave it a four. So Stupid levels, fucking Joseph Gordon-Levitt, man. <laughs> levels, a hundred percent. Um. As someone who doesn't slander voice acting and can pr- appreciate a performance, um, now that I say it, like uh, voice acting roles, that can make you feel some way with some characters emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That Kratos role is incredible in that game. Have you played the new God of War yet? I cannot wait Sunday. I'll probably beat the entire game once I'm allowed to open my PlayStation. You're gonna, I think I'll probably how just. How long is that game? It's hours. Jeez, Ty. You don't want to space it out a little bit? That way you can enjoy it? I'll enjoy it on my something to come home to work. You know, I might not finish it because I won't be allowed to. Maybe a proud owner of a PS5. I can't fucking wait. I am a proud owner. Let me. My boss um, is the proud owner of two PS5s. Doesn't even fucking play games. I think it's just like a status symbol for this cocksucker. You want to sell me one? Um, (laughs) Victoria actually said I should ask him. (laughs) I don't know what his plans are for his second one. Um, The problem is I don't game that much anymore. Like, there's almost no point for me to get a PS5. I don't either, but... You got God of War, though. That's a reason. I got God of War. That is and then I'll like, play some Call of, of Duty. And it's incredible, and I can't wait. But, yeah, he got two of them. Um, and he doesn't even game. He just He's just like, I'll probably use it for... Watch like, his movies. Yeah, right. he's like, I'll probably use it for, like, a Blu-ray player. I heard it works really good. And I'm like, there's just streaming now. You don't need that. My Xbox fucking... My 10-year-old Xbox One out there is just fine. As a Blu-ray player slash streamer. Works great, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I will say he brought his second one into work today. I think he had to pick it up mm-hmm. and like had it with him. And I was talking to him and I was eyeing up that box. I know exactly which presents my PS5. I'm 100% sure. If it is wrapped, it sits in front of my TV every day and I hate that I have to look at it. <laughs> Santa's going to bring it to you, right? Yep. Down the chimney. Nice. I'm glad you got a great gift. I can't wait. I wish I could say the same. But uh, voice acting performance. Damn, Jake. I don't even know what I got. Well, yeah, I do. But now you do at the time of recording or at the time of release. Definitely. Voice acting performance is going to be incredible, though. Um, and I respect that. With that being said, I only give this a 16. Same as um, me. Only. <laughs> yeah. But again, I gave it a lot of love and key elements. I feel like you shifted that love towards characters where I just gave it the love and characters because voice acting performance is hard. And 
I'll be goddamn it if David Bradley didn't scare the shit out of me looking at his picture. <laughs> Give a great performance. DePetto was very heartfelt and it was emotional, and you felt the when he's just drinking, crying next to the tree, mm-hmm. calling out for Carlo. Yeah, that's heartbreaking. That's an yeah. incredible performance. Made me care about this weird plastic-looking, very weird character design for Geppetto. Uh, his beard made me uncomfortable. So they actually did that beard because it's easier to do. It's hard to do, like, emotions with a smooth face, they said. Got it. So you kind of got to cover stuff up with Help, a beard. Like, grew it out. Yeah. Makes sense. Because they said the hardest person to animate for was Carlo. Because they said it just looks unnatural when you do, like, the mouth movements with a smooth character. So. Makes sense. But thing I learned. incredible performance and the writing, the writing is, it's immaculate. It's, it's so good. Um, obviously there's a lot more to acting than, than what was shown here. And, uh, there's rooms for improvement, but I won't discredit voice acting. No, I won't do it. Um, another thing they mentioned in that behind the scenes was, um, count Volp, who's the villain antagonist, Christoph Waltz. Um, they wanted someone who had a smooth voice that could almost like change between languages. Multiple times he says French, Italian, other things, and like wants it to be smooth and like wants you a voice that Guillermo de Toro specifically said, I want a voice that can speak every language and sounds like it speaks every language. And he said, the only person that came to mind when I wanted that was Christopher Waltz who voices him. So credible. He got his guy. Jay, have you ever seen Inglorious Bastards? Have not. It's like Christoph Waltz, like, first big, like, I think this is what put him on the scene. Mm-hmm. And he's 66. That's not that long ago, so he was a late bloomer. Fucking terrifying in that film. Incredible villain. That's a movie that's on my watch list for sure. Incredible villain in that film. Uh, why don't you give me your enjoyment score, Ty? Uh, let me see what Christoph Waltz. He did start acting in, like, the 70s. Um, oh. So maybe he did have other stuff. I know that's what, like. That was his break. his breakout for you. He got, like, Oscar. Like, it was an Oscar uh, winner for that. Wow. Okay. Uh, I think supporting actor, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Enjoyment. Here's the deal. I respect everything. I think this is wonderful, wonderful film. Very emotional. Um, it, was a little, it was a little slow. Yeah. It was a little slow for my my taste. A little bit. Um, and I can respect what it was without saying that it's one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's a very, very good, well-made animated film. Yep. I think it's one of those... The best made films without being one of my favorites. I gave it a 16. Pretty middle of the road. I, I liked it. I thought you'd give it more. I'd if recommend it's middle it. middle of the road, why don't you give it lower? <coughs> well, not like bad. So my enjoyment for me is like watching this. I really respected it and enjoyed it. And I think like 10 points are like there's a zero out of 10 for like how much do I enjoy what they did and achieved. And then the zero out of 10 of how likely am I to rewatch this recommended it X, Y, Z. I think I got a six on like the recommend, a ten out of ten for what they achieved. Well, I have an enjoyment skill somewhere. Don't really know where it is. Yeah, you have like written descriptions, right? Of yeah. Um, is this no? This ain't it. Why is this? I typed enjoyment skill and it took me to my Mojave River League preview. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know where it's at, but I it's like broken down specifically, um, like would watch again, um, would recommend. I'm trying to find it. I can't. This is such bad radio, and I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. We'll cut it in post. No, we won't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't find it. It is what it is. I gave this a 16 as well. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I enjoyed right what there. they did. I I would rewatch this. I don't think I'm like rushing to Netflix to rewatch it, but I would recommend it. I would rewatch it. 
And I think it is not my pick. I think we're looking at the best animated film of 2022 for the Oscars. It's got the the, the technical slash art proponent of it. It's got the theming and emotion of it and the story of it. Um, it's watchable. Like it, it checks all the boxes. It's better than anything Pixar has done this year. It's better than anything anyone's done. I would still pick. It technically counts. Marcel the Shell with shoes on. But I think this is our winner. I really do. I think Marcel the Shell with shoes on should not be an animated film. <laughs> uh, should not be in that category. Nominated for the Golden Globes. Might have won it by the time you're listening to this. Um, so I think I agree with Pinocchio. With that being said, Marcel the Shell with shoes, the banger of a film, 93 out of 100. I, that's, that's a hard score to beat. I haven't given my final score. If they're in the same category, I'm going Marcel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unique. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. This in its own actual animated category, incredible film. Well, what did you give this? Cinematic achievement, um, very much like the 87 out of 100. I'm going to tell you now because we'll probably do our best movies of 2022. That's probably already out in a podcast. Um, this is my fifth rated movie of the year that we've done on the pod. Coming in at an 85 out of 100 tie. Wow. Behind only Wakanda Forever, The Batman, Marcella Show with Shoes On, and Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's fucking up there. It is. And it very much is heavily, heavily reliant upon what they did here. Like, that's just... Right above Top Gun Maverick for me. Game respect game. Absolutely. Uh, With that film there. So you gave it 87. I gave it 85. That gives it an 86 consensus, which puts it tied. We're at... Oh, tied with Top Gun Maverick and The Lion King and Rhea and the Last Dragon and Onward (laughs) for uh, 29. (laughs) Our scores group together sometimes. That just happens. I lost it. What are we at? 29? Yeah. 86 out of 100. Okay. You were too hard on Top Gun Maverick. 83 is way <laughs> too low. Um, I was not hard on it. It's an enjoyable film. It's a wonderfully enjoyable film. It's going to be nominated for an Oscar probably in something. <sighs> should be. Very much show. Show. Uh, should be. I can't talk. <laughs> It's late. This is our back-to-back pod. I know. It's getting late. It's running late. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Incredible film. Very well made. The best Pinocchio adaptation, period. Random. Better than the Disney original. I agree. Better than the original. I agree. Random Rotten Tomato movie review tie. I put myself in a headspace to figure this out. I went to Universal Studios like, I don't know, three weeks ago now. And this was a – Universal Studios has the back lot. When's the last time you went to Universal Studios? Um, a few, I don't know. It's been a while, but I also like, it could be 10 years. I don't know if I've ever been there with Victoria. You guys should go. It's fun. I don't, I don't remember being a fan. Really? I think I might've actually gone like a few years ago, like not that long ago. Huh. Now that I think of it. Interesting. Are you just not a theme park guy? I very much am. Not a big universal guy, but it's uh, my rule with universal and this isn't like, I always say it's a once every three years kind of place. Yeah. We went in January 2020. I was itching to go here recently, which is almost three years to the date. Like, not intentionally. Like, I just got the urge. But three-year oh. timer was up. Universal's got Hogwarts, huh? Yeah. I have been with Victoria. So, it's at least in the last seven years. Fair enough. Um, Anyways, this, not is, recent. this is one of the films they always mention on the studio tour. They go through a certain area, and they're like, oh, this film has been filmed on this set. It's Back not the one future. of the it's not one Jaws. of their special ones. It's not like Jaws where they have their special thing. It's one of the ones where you go to a set and they're like, this has been Outside filmed Outside the here. wire. 
<laughs> they do not mention that, but outside the wire. And this is a, a pretty good hint. This might be the one you get, but it might be put in the vault, so we might have to release it later. So you might still have to do Random Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it's going to be so disingenuous. It's no divine comedy. There's no real revelation, but the funny bits are up there with Blank's best. I'm not going to say the actor's name. It's no divine comedy, but the funny. There's Can I get no? It's no divine comedy. There's no real revelation, but the funny bits are up there with Blank's best. This is a fresh review, and it's on the Universal backlot. It doesn't. Can I get a score, please? From uh, Joel Siegel of uh, Good Morning America. He doesn't give a score. Oh, original score B. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Some of them don't have original scores, so you're lucky this one had one. They should all have some sort of scoring. Some of them don't. No, that's stupid. Yeah, I agree. On Universal's back lot, a middle-of-the-road okay comedy, um, not someone's best, so he has funnier films. Or she. Very. F- I don't find women funny, actually. Um, yes, you do. Bridesmaids, yeah, no, great joking. film. It's pretty good. Booksmart? Wonderful. Film. Might be the best comedy last, like, four years. Is the best comedy of the past four years. Like, strictly comedy. Yes. I love Lockers. <laughs> I like I love blockers. This is a good movie. <laughs> um, is the person they're referencing the main character? Why should I have to tell you that? It, is, it helps. You can't even give me the full review. The least you could do is give me the context of the full review. You got to redact yes, it. Some the, parts. the the blank is the main character of the film. Yes, so they're comedic franchise type actor. <sighs> Adam Sandler doesn't work with Universal. He strictly does Netflix stuff. Well, I'm not trying to send you down the, a bad path but like disney uses the universal back a lot like it's not just universal movies this isn't a disney movie i'll tell you never thought about that i I would have said no they don't if i'm universal i'm like get your own fucking set they specifically said during the studio tour how they were recording uh one of the marvel shows agents of shield they recorded like primarily at this one spot no shit yeah yeah they just pay them there's like hey we're gonna pay you like why would universal be like no you know what i mean uh, to force Disney to spend more money and make worse content. <laughs> That's what yeah. I would do. You're going to put down all that money to make a fucking lot that you can use, not that your buddy can use. And that, then you have to stop production on what you're making so they can make something. Uh-uh. That being said, I do think this is a universal produced movie. I'm not sure. Yeah, it is. Oh, look at that. That's crazy. Okay. I'll tell you at the end. Oh, what does that mean? I don't know. Some context clues there. Out of uh, integrity, I don't want to get this one right. I'll say it because I don't want to have to feel fake while I'm guessing for the rest of them. So I'm hoping I get this one wrong. I just want that out there. Okay. There's Bridesmaids. I'm thinking Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell. I'm thinking like fucking Seth Rogen probably did some universal ones. They're not great, but let's go Pineapple Express. You didn't, highly, highly doubt You didn't read into the review enough. It's no divine comedy. There's no real I don't get what that revelation, means. divine revelation. Those are religious words. Okay. Does that give, if you know it's religious, this doesn't count now because you're already wrong. Bruce Almighty. Okay, that makes sense. Plays God. Talking in the mic, by the way. You're 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 very. Am funny. I? I don't have my headphones on today. I don't know what you did. I couldn't hear out of them, and I abandoned them. Uh, um, Bruce Almighty. It was. There's two scenes. There's one where it's just a normal fucking like. City Street, they always say, oh, this was filmed here. And they actually took it out of the studio tour, but there used to be a big lake with a big blue wall. They used to always say, oh, this was filmed here, Bruce Almighty. Wow. Yeah, um, it was actually distributed by Universal, produced by Spyglass Entertainment, 
Shady Acres. It was distributed by Universal in the United States, but then it was also distributed by Buena Vista International, which is uh, Disney. So Disney did international distribution. So maybe that's some of their agreements. Movie stuff's weird, though. It's always like, oh, they made this and... They released it and yeah. they have the rights How to much it. stuff is like Disney that you don't even realize, produced and everything, so... Steve Carell was the person in the review. No, Jim Carrey. I'm thinking of Evan Almighty. No, Bruce. this is Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. So it was Jim Carrey. Spin-off. I was yeah. stuck on Truman Show for a while there, too. I honestly, I like that was probably the one I was leaning towards the most and didn't want to, but that's a great movie, so it didn't Truman make sense. Truman Show? Yeah. Never seen it. It's like very well respected. Isn't he People in a show, and then he finds out he's in the show, and he's like trying to get he's out of it? He's being watched, yeah, 24-7. He probably questions his mortality and stuff. Yeah. Gimbal Dotaro probably watched it while making Pinocchio. <laughs> Um, I would ask you what we have next week, Ty, but we don't have a next week because we don't know what next week is. So um, that's all I got for you, my friend. If I uh, if I give you a spot here, whenever this releases, will you put it in? If I say like, oh, next week we're reviewing. No. Okay. Sorry, guys. I don't know what's on the schedule. You know what? Fine. Go ahead. Don't forget. I know you'll forget. <laughs> and then it'll just be blank space. But I'm going to say it. Next week we're reviewing. Okay. You can talk now. Wonderful. I'm, wow. I'm going to put my own voice in there. I can't wait for that. <laughs> sounds like a blast. I'm really looking forward to that film. <laughs> uh, should I do my voice or should I just do like the Google Translate thing where you type it in and it's the robot voice? I think you go to like a third-party website, the most robotic fake voice ever. You know what? Do like I'm a TikTok a cheap sound. cameo. I'm going to find the cheapest cameo and I'm say, I just want you to say this movie name. <laughs> Who do you think we can afford on a cheap cameo? There's got to be but like it's a- got like podcast related. I was thinking Clint Eastwood. No way he knows how to use a fucking phone though. <laughs> I'm like $10 or less. I'm not spending. No, that's what I'm saying. But like a very C-list, like the dad from Those Who Wish Me. Was it Those Who Wish Me Dead? Is that the fire movie? Yeah. Like the really bad actor dad from that. I don't know who the fuck he is. He can't be more than like a couple of bucks. Um, I I don't know which one the dad is now that I'm looking at it. I think it's Aiden Gillen. Jack? Yeah, Jack. That sounds right. Complete guess, but... How it works? Can I sh- can I filter by browse Gillen, stars? Those who wish me dead. No, that's the cop. <sighs> Fucking let me let me look it up really quick. Dad in Those Who Wish Me Dead. It's the worst fucking actor of all time. It's this Jake guy. Weber. Come on, Nick Weber. Jake Weber. Jake. Nick Weber. Don't don't quote me on that. Jake Weber. Nick Weber, that's the fake name in Hot Tub Time Machine for... Uh, Never seen Hot Tub Time Machine. Craig Robinson. Never seen it. Um, this podcast is going a little long as well. This is bad radio as we look up at Jake I don't, Weber. I don't, oh, fuck, Craig Robinson, Hot Tub Time Machine. God be goddamn it's Nick Weber. What a pull by me. Jake Weber's not in it, Ty. Sorry. Jake Weber is Owen, Cas- Owen Casserly in Those Who Wish Me about did. Cameo. Oh, he doesn't have a Cameo account. That's no. different. Okay. Trying, I'm, I'm going to voice actors now, but it's not. Oh, I'm already on voice actors. Fifty nine dollars. Stevie Oaks. I will. I will pitch in if we do twenty five dollars. We do Shoe Nice, the guy who just drinks a lot of alcohol. He used to be famous in like two thousand five, probably. He's a Tosh Point regular, I think. We got to find someone who has ties to the podcast. Oh, I'm gonna do a deep dive. I can't wait for this. <laughs> I can't wait to find the most random person to just be like, yeah, next week we're reviewing blank. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. You want him to sign off as well? Yeah, no, I, I give full permission to whoever we pay a cameo to say, in the meantime, be a good friend, everybody. Okay, so... I should probably get that. Like, if we blow up, I should probably get that copyrighted, right? Like that saying? <laughs> it's trademarked, not copyrighted. What the fuck um, ever? 
<laughs> All right, so that there. blank space earlier in the podcast where we let it breathe for four seconds, we were just letting it breathe. Yeah. I'm not going to fill it in there. It's nope. going to be at the end. Bingo. All right, with that being said, let's throw it over to our friend. We actually never found anyone to do the outro. Classic Jason and Tyler fashion. Forgot we did this two months ago. Now it's time to, to post the podcast. And there's no outro. So with that being said, for the first time ever, me saying it, be a good friend, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.